Human design is an amalgamation of several facets of spirituality. The I Ching, astrology, chakras, Kabbalah, all combine beautifully into one system. Mary Rose and Mary Letitia have been exploring their own designs for the last year. This podcast is an extension of that exploration. Come learn, laugh, and grow with us as we become Guided by Design. Well, hello, Miss Mary. I know that today we are getting together to record an episode of the podcast, and I know that you're in a little bit of pain. So welcome, and I hope you're having a good morning so far. So far, it's not too bad. I'm, I do have something pinched in my neck or shoulder here, and so I'm feeling a little tight, and thank you for giving me an opportunity to do some stretching this morning and breathing and trying to loosen things up. <laughs> it was my pleasure. I uh, definitely, definitely understand. We both have had various neck and shoulder issues ourselves. So um, I, I feel your pain. I want to, I feel powerless. I want to alleviate your pain. But since we're talking through Zoom, I can't even just come over and give you a little gentle rub. Josh went to give me a hug last night and he gives the best hugs, but he caught my shoulder just wrong. And I almost died and cried. Like I was crying. I'm like, I'm sorry, you can't touch me, can't touch me there. Oh, I know the gasp, the gasp, the oh, involuntary gasping. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, this week we were going to, we've got a topic all picked out, but before we get rolling on it, um, what have you, what's been kind of in your ear holes or in your eye holes? What have you been listening to or watching that you want to talk about? Oh, I've kind of been not doing very good at um, listening to or watching anything productive. Um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I did start a new show while well, we were looking for something else, but he he hit this show on Netflix the other night called heist and it's like real heists that um, people have gone through and done their time or whatever. And then now they're telling the story and it was, it was, it's been a pretty good show, but again, nothing productive. <laughs> nothing productive. Well, it doesn't have to be productive. That's I think the best part is that we, we listen to things and read things that are just, that spark our interest. They have nothing to do with being productive. This guy that we watched on this heist show was from Cuba and he doesn't speak English, but he, um, he can understand English very well. So he learned everything he needed to do on this heist through TV shows. <laughs> oh my, my goodness. I love like, that. Like forensic files and uh, you know, CSI Miami and all of these, all of these shows in the early nineties that, um, that's Hilarious. how we ended up, um, learning how to pull off this heist and they almost got away with it too. Oh my God. <laughs> that's, that's genius. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, we, I started, so my friend Rachel came and visited me from San Jose this last weekend. Um, I only got 48 hours with her, but, uh, we, I showed her the episode. So I, I told her about Poog, how we love Poog, the hags, 
fabulous. So we, I made her watch the episode of the characters that is John Early, their, their bestie that they talk about. And that's how I, I, when I connected all my dots, I think I talked about this before John Early, it was kind of like how I introduced myself to those hags. And I didn't even know it at the time. And so I made her watch that and she goes, have you seen search party? And I said, no, I've heard about it and I probably should watch it. So we started watching it and it is, oh, it's so weird. And it made me cringe so much, but it was also really funny. And um, so I did, I managed to get through, but I had to start, I will admit, I had to start kind of, I was, it was so anxious. I don't get anxious. I don't have anxiety about very many things to be totally honest, but watching TV shows gives me a level of anxiety. And that's usually why I check out. Like, I, do I really want to watch this show that's giving me anxiety? Well, guess what? I finished the first season. I might go ahead and, and poke my head into season two just to see. I hear it gets even weirder. Um, so Search What's Party, the movie, the show. Yeah, Search Party. So a girl realizes that a girl she went to college with, not even someone she was friends with, but just a girl she went to college with has gone missing. And she sees her, kind of catches a glimpse of her. And then the way that this girl kind of reacts and runs from her leads, leads her to believe that there is something terribly, terribly wrong. And it goes on so many wild tangents and it has such a, it has a great cast. I mean, it does have a really good cast. Like people like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Parker Posey. She's a nice, she was a big actress in the nineties. She was in so many things. If you ever saw Josie and the Pussycats, the movie, mm-hmm. she was the, she was the one at the, she was the, the villain, I guess that had, yeah. And so she's in it. And then the guy from office space, Ron living, Ron Livingston is in it. And it's just, it's really weird. It's just really weird and very cringy. And there's a lot to it that I was just like, I don't know. I kept saying, I don't know if I can keep watching. (laughs) But you kept watching it. But then as soon as I dropped her off at the airport in Bozeman, and then we drove home, I sat down with sunflower seeds and I'm just like, I'm going to keep watching it. But a few times I did have to kind of scooch the recording forward because I'm like, I I just, I kind of just need to see what happens after the next 30 seconds and then just a couple of times. So, but I did finish season one and my, I, I screamed. So, I mean, if that tells you anything, there was an actual literal scream that happened. Um, (laughs) You know, those are like, those are visceral shows. Like I actually also kind of had a reaction during the last week tonight episode (laughs) I watched last night. I, I, my son and my husband, we were watching it together and I went, <gasps> and I was like putting my hand up over my mouth and just like, it wasn't bad. I mean, nothing in it was bad. Let me tell you, but it, it just, there was, I have this involuntary gasp reaction to things and it could be very troubling, especially when, I, when my husband's driving. Oh my gosh. That's funny. My mom, I've, I've had that reaction a long time and when I, I remember being pregnant with my son and my mom was driving me somewhere out of town, probably for an appointment. 
and I, I gasped at something and she immediately slams on her brakes, like as though there's some sort of something going on. And I think I had seen somebody fall like on the sidewalk or something. So I had that immediate gasp reaction. <laughs> she slams on her brakes and almost causes an accident because I'm gasping. She's like, you can't yeah. do that. You like, can't do I that. can't help it. <laughs> Yep, I know that's it, it, you. Can, you can't. It's so bad because they are they are listening to us. And but that that's gotten really good. I mean, he's been with a gasper for a long time, so I think he's pretty desensitized to my gasping to some degree. It doesn't have the same meaning, but uh, yeah. And if you, if your mom is as bad of it, were, were you gasping at her driving, or was it just something that was happening on the road? I think it was something that was happening, but. Um, yeah, she's a terrible driver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think exactly, exactly. All right. So what's our topic today? Well, we're talking about uh, partnerships, business partnerships and how human design um, works within or affects those business partnerships. So I thought this is an interesting topic because mainly a lot of people are going to go into working in any business without knowing people's human designs. So it's really like, I think that a lot of that kind of starts with knowing our own human design before we even, you know, I think that I was, I was working in a job when I discovered human design, I was working in a job that I quickly started to realize was absolutely not within, it was not supporting my strategy at all and or my type and that was kind of an interesting realization is that you know kind of first and foremost within business if you're in a business you really kind of have to think about how that business is supporting your type versus you may not be able to choose i think that's the big thing there's a lot of people that will come to human design while they're already working someplace working with people and they're going to be like is this right? I feel like there's a need to kind of find some of the some of the the connections to our strategy within what we're doing. Um, so, for example, you know, we talked once before. You'd said we worked together in a previous job, and you had said like, "Oh, I can see where in that job, the the constant recognition was probably even though the work I was working like a generator." the constant recognition was part of what worked for my strategy. That, that recognition of the job that I was doing at how good I was at it, at how well I worked with those around me and how, you know, I helped people in that role, but I wasn't acting as a guide. I, I mean, I think that that is kind of the, the thing is I wasn't really being asked for any of my input or my guidance. And obviously I could find a lot of great things about that job that really worked well. You know, you pointed it out really, truly, but, um, you know, I was still trying the, the workload was that of a generator. The yeah. workload was, I was borrowing right. from every sacral energy around me all the time. And actually, I think that you were guiding a lot of the time. I'd say the second that you were not allowed to, mm to be more of a guide to those around you. Um, and I would say that really took over when a new leader came in, in your department and tried to change everything up without asking 
for your guys's input for you know those of you that had been there those of you that knew the job and knew how to do the job and knew how to work with the clients and knew how to work with the other departments i think in that department you were a guide of showing your peers how to work with other departments because you never had a problem working with any of the departments that you needed to work with to get issues fixed to get things handled um, you were working like a generator but i think the the constant recognition being allowed to guide for a while um, but as soon as that got cut off you were done mm, god you, you were so spot on because the second that long? you weren't getting recognition I mean, you knew she wasn't going to ask for input, but when you weren't getting any recognition for what you were doing. Um, in fact, I was getting in trouble for, for being too, too guidey. I was mm -hmm. being too guidey. In <laughs> and, um, you know, no, you're spot, you're spot on my friend. That is absolutely the case is that, you know, they hired an outside director for what really should have been an inside the, the company role. And, um, you know, and those are those things that really happen. I feel like you and I can both agree that when leadership within an organization, they just, there are times that they make just the dumbest decisions and everyone's left kind of scratching their heads on, but why, like, why would you do that? What, what, and you know, it almost seems like shooting yourself in the foot, like, or cutting off your nose to spite your face. And there's like such an unwillingness, there's such an entrenchment in that decision that, well, this is the way that it is now. So even if it's the wrong decision, you just have to make, you just have to make it work. And I was like, mm, I just won't. Thanks. <laughs> it's like, it, I mean, I feel like bad leadership is like bad parenting in that same manner. Like, it's like telling your kids to do what I say, not what I do. Um, it's that same type of concept. It's, it's my final decision, period. I'm not going to explain it to you because you're a child. I feel like when bad leaders come into businesses and make bad decisions, that's exactly what they do. They cut you, they, they, they knock you, knock your ankles out from underneath you, and then are like, "Oh, deal with it anyway." Like, go ahead and Ugh. pick up the pieces and deal with it anyway. Um, so and it can break uh, an organization, as we've watched from afar. Thank goodness um, that that really bad leadership and and all it would have taken, especially in the case of your department, was her coming to you guys and really asking, asking questions, learning more. I feel like some of these leaders- Doing the job, like really legitimately trying to do the job. She wanted to make all of the changes without actually doing the job. And that's where people from an outside perspective, it's like, yeah, your unwillingness to learn how to do it. That's why you really, it's great to start at the bottom and work your way up. I feel like Every leader that starts in a role that is at the bottom of an organization's, you know, ladder and then works their way up into something. I, I mean, I, I definitely didn't want that job. I wasn't interested in being that. But there were people within the organization who had been there that had the knowledge. Maybe they didn't have the people skills, but they did have the knowledge of the work in order to be able to, to do a better job of leading. But yeah. Um, let's, and then just briefly, I'll say that then in my next role, you know, I was getting recognition because I brought so much experience to the role of the, my next job. After leaving that position, I, I moved um, over to the last job that I had. And when I discovered human design, it became so clear 
when, when no one wanted, and when in fact I was like, when I would try to give my feedback or my, you know, anything and was ignored, oh, oh, I absolutely, when I realized that, oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm here to really be a guide. I have intuition that is priceless and y'all don't want it. Like y'all are actually like telling me, well, thanks for your feedback, but we're, we're going to go ahead and do it this way. And it really was at the, especially at the height of the beginning of the pandemic, it started becoming such a obvious, you're making greed decisions. You're not making, you're not making decisions based on what's good for the company. You're, you're basing it off of what's good for the bottom line, which is not going to help your employees. I mean, that was my whole thing. This has to be holistically good. It has to be good for the employees. It has to be good for the customers. And it has to be, you know, and it was like, no, we're going to go ahead and we're going to promise things to people. And I, and also waste my time doing a whole bunch of work that then ended up being, oh, a pandemic just basically made all of this work that I'd done kind of obsolete. And I was like, so ready to be done when, and I, I'm, I'm so relieved ever since leaving. I was even thinking that today I'm coming closer and closer to being one year of not working for a business full time and so much relief, so much relief because now I do feel as though when people do work with me, they recognize that I'm bringing, that I'm bringing intuition to this, that, that won't be something. I mean, it's not like other people don't have intuition. Don't get me wrong. But, but you like can't get it from everyone. You can't get it everywhere. No. It's a very specialized intuition. And I feel like being recognized for that is absolutely more rewarding for you than working 40 hours of work a week. Like, like you're some sort of generator or something. And then working within partnerships, since that's kind of what we're talking about, is when we, you and I kind of, we didn't know about human design, but we had found each other through that, that previous position and you recognized. And then, but I also was like, oh, but look at how, you know, she's, she's, her job is to train people. And my, I have so much I can give her if she's willing to take it, if she's open to it. So you had that openness as a generator to say, yeah, I'll, t I'll take whatever you can, you can give me. I I'm happy because I think that you, you have proven yourself to be really capable of being able to not only do this job, but also create tools that will help other people do this job. Like those spreadsheets that I would create with the, with the information that was tucked into the little notes and the cells and stuff. So I think that we discovered very early on a partnership. We didn't realize that we were partnering and, and we would have all these lunches and we'd go have all these conversations. And then at one point we decided, Oh, we should probably do this ourselves. We should probably just do something ourselves versus continuing to try to make this business and this organization, give them all of our good ideas because God, when we would get together, when we still get together, like, <laughs> the ideas just kind of flow. Um, and that I think was like the first partnership I felt and in it within a business that was like intuitive. We recognized each other. We, we did all of the human design things before we even knew it was human design. 
It's true. It's like, it's like our, it's like our bodies, our, our souls, our sacrals, whatever, recognized each other in some way that was like, wait a second, because I remember being drawn to you. And this happens with the people who energetically do, do something for me. Cause I remember being physically drawn to those people before I even really knew them. So I remember the first, I'll never forget the first time I seen you, you were being taught by Kathy B in her class classroom. And I thought immediately, who is that person? I need to know them. So, and, and every important, energetically important person in my life, I felt that way. The moment that I met them, the moment that I seen them, um, it was who is that person. I need to know them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, that was, yeah, that, I think that you're absolutely right. For me, it was the smell. It was you and our friend Natasha. Um, you smelled really good. Like you always had these oils on that were just, and I, and, and for me now finding out that that is part of my design is really that my sense of smell is very in tune with, um, with, with people. And I, I'm too can Sam. I'm supposed to follow my nose. And I was like, Oh, they smell so good. And so that, I think that that's the really funny part is that you did it on, on a visual level. And I did it on an olfactory level. Like as Mm -hmm. soon as I could smell that, 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 you know, it wasn't just patchouli, but you know, that kind of sense that I think a lot of people would think, Ooh, patchouli, that's overwhelming, but no, it was deeper than that. It was, it was earthy, but it was also, there was elements of sweetness. It was all these great oils. I love, I mean, you guys have always had fantastic smells coming off of you. So, and that's also in the same thing within business. What's funny is that in the job that I left is I could smell, there was, there was someone that I worked with. I won't say anything about who, but there was definitely someone who had absolutely the most atrocious breath that I've ever just, it was so noxious and I I don't fault them. I mean, I think there's a lot of medical conditions that happen that cause that, but that right there afterwards, when I realized that that sense of smell was, was telling me it was rejecting, it was rejecting what I, not what I was doing, but that, that specifically that role I was in where I had to be around it. Um, and I, I, I'm just, it, it kind of blew my mind when I realized that the sense of smell that I have is kind of my superpower to some degree. And that even if I can't smell it, like classically, I told Mary and I tell other people when I can smell desperation, it's a total turnoff. Like I get, if I sense it, it's like basically like smelling it. My nose, I make a stink face. It's just mm, no, <laughs> terrible. I don't like it. Um, so I have a hard time when I sense that someone is desperate. Now, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying desperate as in, oh my gosh, this person is about to drown and they're desperate. I'm talking about des- almost the not self, desperate for attention, desperate for um, power, desperate for money, any of those things. When I sense that kind of desperation on a level that I feel is not a worthy level, mm, no, thank you. 
not having it. And I do feel like my reaction is very guttural. I feel like the, the feeling that the thought that I thought I need to know that person came directly from my gut. Now that I'm knowing my body a little bit more, I do feel like some of those, like when I first seen Josh, I mean, we had talked a little bit online, but the first time I seen him, I felt it in my soul. I felt that guttural reaction again, going, wait a second, this person's different. It's, it's, it's different. Mm -hmm. Um, Just by being, you know, feeling that energy for the first time, even though it's like on first sight, I do feel like now that I know more about human design, that it really is an energy thing that my gut is feeling versus, versus my sight is seeing. So we, um, I wrote a list of some different people. So we have some examples of partnerships that we've had with different energy types. So we thought that we would kind of talk about that a little bit. Um, so on my list of manifestors um, that we've worked with, and I think that that's actually probably most closely what I think we should probably talk about is like the people that we've worked with. We won't have one for every single type because Mary doesn't know like my ref- my one unicorn reflector friend. I can kind of speak to that a little bit, but, um, but our friend Laura, um, the graphic designer is a manifester. And so I thought it was really interesting as we were working with her because she's not really much of a, I don't want to say she doesn't take advice, but she doesn't need advice from us. She's a manifester. What she really was looking for was collaboration and the ability to inform someone because that is like within her, her strategy is to inform and she's working on her own. She's a single, you know, she's a single employee. She's her own employee. She is the boss. She is the employee. She doesn't work for any place else. But when she was, while we were working with her, when she was doing, she kind of had like a side gig where she was doing some work for, let's just say a large, um, stock image company, um, she was not happy, not happy. And she'd kind of also indicated that from her previous role working as an employee someplace was just hated it, hated it. Mm -hmm. And now when we kind of discovered human design and kind of brought that into her world, it really made so much sense from that business perspective of, oh, oh, this is why she's not really this is why she's not really open to being told what to do. And I mean, I, I didn't get really frustrated with that. It was, I I really loved our collaboration, but it was kind of interesting when we were like, Oh yeah, she doesn't need us for that. That's not what she, that's not what she needs us for. Even now when we get together, it's like, we know that it's not to ask us for our advice. It's because she feels depleted and she needs to be restored. Yeah. And we can give her that sounding board that she needs to inform. And Mm -hmm. I think that was the most interesting part for me as we read about her human design, knowing her quirks and how she works and how when she's on, she's really on. And when she's not, she's not um, as that manifester. Um, I I think that that was really, really interesting 
to, to figure out that we, we aren't here for advice. That's not what she's here for. Even when we were trying to, I mean, guide her in, in certain ways that it's not what worked for her. Um, but now I, I feel like that last time that she asked us to get together, it was the first time for me really, really realizing what she needed from us. Mm-hmm. And it was literally just to be a sounding board for her to inform of how she's feeling and what she's going through and giving her that replenishment to then move forward and get out of that particular um, maybe cycle that she's in. Mm-hmm. At that moment. And just seeing her too. I think that's the important part is that sometimes I think manifestors because they work within their own world to some degree, especially as their own boss is that they don't get recognition, you know, unless it's from a client and, that's great. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, we, we've, that was kind of like the whole basis for our business was not so much that we were going to get somebody. And I feel like that's kind of the thing is that we kind of discovered that getting someone to the next level is really dependent upon that person, their strategy. You know, we didn't realize that at the time when we very first started our business together, but we kind of um, came to understand that really it became less about us doing work and more about the person that we were working with doing work, but feeling as though they were supported in that work and collab- collaborating and giving almost like that feeling of they don't have to do it all alone. Even if they are going to have to do it all alone, they have somebody that, that cares if they get it done or not. And that's, I think, a big, a big thing for manifestors is having um, autonomy is so important. And so it is really hard if you're a manifester, if you discover this while you're working for an employer, it may be really hard for you to take direction from an employer um, because of your type. And so, you know, that, that, that's where sometimes it's really good to think, well, what would you do if you were to do something on your own? What would you do if you were going to be your own boss? And that can be a hard question because a lot of people are like, I don't know, I don't have any skills, but I just think that that's a a good awareness piece. Or what job can you do where you are given very limited uh, direction that Mm -hmm. they let you? Oh, yeah. What what employer can you work for where they just let you go with projects versus having to have that total guidance? That is such a good point. You almost like perfectly brought that up because I wasn't going to talk about my friend, Lindsay, but Lindsay was a graphic designer at my last job. And not even just graphic designer, she's a marketing, amazing marketing person, amazing marketing person. But when micromanaged, it would, you know, it's very, very, and that when we discovered the manifestor piece, it was like, well, no wonder. It's like if, if she had had the autonomy to just be able to say, here's what the plan is. Here's what we need you to do. Go ahead and do it. Check in periodically, inform me as to what you, your progress and go from there. But no, there was an obsessive amount of micromanaging plus just an, an, another piece of just human dynamic that was really, really awful for anyone in any workspace to have to deal with, with um, feeling like your boss views you as a threat to their position um, because she was so good at what she did. So I thought, you know, Lindsay's, that's a great example is that, you know, when you're micromanaged as a, as a manifester, you're probably going to be miserable. And, and what I was so proud of her for doing is she had no plan, 
no business. She wants to start her own and she already has a great idea, but she just isn't able to quite execute it just yet. But it was that she decided I I can't be miserable here and I, I cannot put myself through this. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. It was scary, but I was like, that is, I supported her so wholeheartedly in that because she was going to, it was going to make her fit. She was already feeling physical effects of being in that position, like on a physical mental health level. And it was, it was time to, to let it go. But we might even have to break this up into two parts if we don't want to make (laughs) seven hours long. Um, So I I did want to talk really briefly about manifesting generators because we did both also work with a manifesting generator earlier this year in the form of our business coach. And her name was Miss Lori Joy, not was, is. Um, You can find her on Facebook if you want to. If you search for Lori Joy, you'll find a lot of information about her as well as like her her program to be able to learn how to do online boot camps and things. But what I thought was interesting is that she manifesting generators, as we know, are just a a generator with throat definition that can, um, that can basically then kind of speak things into being to some degree. She was a teacher for a long time. And then she, she'd gotten into kind of like a network marketing side gig. And then she realized that she could take all of that teaching experience that she had and transfer that into coaching people on teaching them basically how to run their business online and be able to, you know, reach wider, wider groups of people offer more, um, offer like different services, whether it's marketing or network marketing or coaching um, and things like that. But talk about finding a role that really is in alignment with her particular strengths. Um, I really thought that when I, when I did her chart and I found out that she was a manifesting generator, I was like, Oh, that's a great example of someone who is using her, you know, she's such a powerhouse when it comes to being able to do a lot of work. We're talking, not only is she creating content, to get people to come and take her program, but she's creating the content within her teaching program. It's just, she's a content machine. It's insane. Yeah. And I would say that she's constantly, that's the manifesting. I believe part of her generator being is that she's constantly upgrading and changing and moving. So even the content that she's creating, if she creates something better, she, you know what I mean? She moves Mm -hmm. on to that. Mm -hmm. So so that's the other thing. And I think that that actually is, is part of what bugged me a little bit because I am, I want things to be solid and finished. I, I do, I do have that piece of my own self. And so when things are constantly changing, it's a little bit hard for me to grasp. But at the same time, I understand why she does that because she is in the middle of creating while she's teaching, while she's working. And there I feel like that within the alignment piece is like that right there is where some people would say you need to focus. And that's where a generator would say you need to focus. <laughs> and I feel like that, that's the tendency of those of that type. And within manifesting generators, we know it's almost like with so many, I talk about with a lot of manifesting generators, I'm like, have you been diagnosed ADHD or ADD? And they're like, uh, yeah. And I'm like, well, 
I think it's not so much that it's it's trying to put a medical diagnosis on something that is ex not really explainable otherwise. Um, but just one second. I'm going to let Morgan in and then we can cut this piece out. I think I actually stopped at a pretty good spot, admit. Hi. Good morning. We're doing our podcast, so I'm letting you in because I'm going to trim this out, but I just wanted to say good morning and say okay, hi. I can leave. I'm, I'm in the middle of my workout. I just wanted to pop in, so. Okay. That's okay. You, you can say. I'll mute myself because I, okay. I, I love We'll be done. Can I work out? <laughs> so, like I said, the, the manifesting generators are commonly... Uh, diagnose ADD and ADHD because of that inability to focus on just one thing. And, and society really wants them to focus on just one thing. Um, Mary wants, wants her to focus on well, just one generators. Thing. I feel like generators in general, probably, which is I a mean, big yeah. portion of the population says, Hey, wait a second. Why can't you just focus on one thing till it's done? Um, Yes, I, I feel like that's, <laughs> that is societal, it is kind of conditioning, but since generators, there's more of us out there, and we're an older energy type, I feel like we're trying to condition them into... Yeah, you're the, you're the, you're the, these whippersnappers, they just need to, they need to keep their head off the swivel and keep mm -hmm. looking in one direction. <laughs> um, but that, I, I, I love that her mentality was like, building the plane as you're flying it because even if it's not my style even if it's not your style it's given me i feel like that freedom to be like okay i could really find myself not taking action because i don't have things figured out yet and then what i i discover is that i'd rather start taking the action and admit, oh gosh, I am, I'd rather be really honest with people and saying, I don't really necessarily know exactly where I'm going yet, but if you're on this plane with me, um, buckle those belts up. It's going to be not, it may be bumpy, but I, I promise you, we're going to see some amazing shit on the way. Like we will have some amazing views. I will take this plane and I will try to make this the most amazing trip for you, but just be prepared for some turbulence. There's going to be a little turbulence. Um, but yeah, so we, we've, I think manifestors and manifesting generators probably for today, we can probably, you know, I think that that's a good, um, <laughs> a good start because I think that, yeah, we could break this up into a few different episodes and kind of keep talking about this because we do, we, I, I also even want to kind of dive in and see if there are some other examples um, of the, I mean, these two were great. We found really good examples for these two types. Um, but then with generators, we have a couple people and, you know, maybe we can ask a few questions and get a little feedback so that we have even more for, for our next episode with drawn. We just drew from our own observations this time. I kind of wouldn't mind even asking a few questions for next time. I agree. That sounds great. So, all right. Well, I think that that's a great spot to uh, wind this on down. How do you feel about today, Miss Mary? I feel good about it. I think that it went well. I do too. I'm really loving this topic. This is actually really fun. And um, the more that we know about other people and about ourselves and how we work within the world, I feel like a lot of people might find that they're already in a job or a role that is aligned to them. 
And if they are not within a job or a role for business that they are feel aligned with is, you know, starting to ask those questions about well, what, what would feel good? What would feel good? And that's uncomfortable sometimes is because sometimes what we want feels so out of reach. Sometimes the things that we know we'd be good at feel like they would take too long to achieve or acquire. Um, and I want to definitely dispel that myth because usually there's actually a much faster path once you start living your type and your strategy and following your authority. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get the exact role that you want, but it might lead you to the thing that you really need to be doing, not so much that you expected that you would be doing. Exactly. All right. Well, we will see you again next time. Bye. Bye.